Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's College Football with Sam, and today we will be reviewing and analyzing my final preseason record predictions for the Big Ten's 2023 college football season. College football kicks off two weeks from now as Navy and Notre Dame take the field in Dublin, Ireland at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and Big Ten football kicks off shortly after that on August 31st on a Thursday night as the Minnesota Golden Gophers host the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I am very excited and thrilled to preview, react to, and analyze the 2023 college football season with you all. If you have not joined this awesome community, please hit that subscribe button and also hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I upload new content. Please comment your own Big Ten predictions down below, and I will reply to your comment as soon as I can. Something I love about college football is it's so unpredictable. There are so many different perspectives and not exactly a right or wrong answer. College football is an amazing sport with an amazing community and I love to interact with it. Also, by commenting down below, you will have a chance to receive one of the two $50 gift cards that I will be giving away 48 hours after this video is released, and that will be $50 gift cards for my merchandise store, which you can find using the link in the description below. I don't want to waste any more time, and I want to get to talking about the Big Ten, so we're going to be starting off in the Big Ten West, then we'll segue to the Big Ten East, saving the best for last. We're going to talk about regular season games, along with my bowl projections for each Big Ten team who will be bowl eligible, whether it's for a standard bowl game, a New Year's Six Bowl game, or for college football playoff participation. Let's jump right in and talk about the Northwestern Wildcats. I think Northwestern will play seventh in the Big Ten West. I have them going 2-10, 0-9 in the Big Ten, and I think they're going to be the worst team in the conference. I have them placing 14th, and there are only 14 teams in the Big Ten. Soon to be 18 teams, though. Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA are joining next season, all of whom will be miles better than the Northwestern Wildcats are. You could say that the Northwestern Wildcats are now called the Mildcats because their football program has been mild for quite some time, and that's probably an overstatement. Pat Fitzgerald, before he was fired for a hazing scandal at Northwestern, had gone 1-8 in the Big Ten three out of the past four seasons. The program has been a dumpster fire. Defensively, nothing has worked. Offensively, nothing has worked. And the only team that has a worse offense than Northwestern, we will get to them, but you can probably guess who that team is. Their head coach's name is Tom Allen, and he's not going to survive this season. The reason I'm talking about other things besides Northwestern is because there isn't much to talk about. David Braun's their head coach, but he hasn't even been an assistant coach in a single Power 5 Division 1 FBS football game. The, only, the last game that he coached in as an assistant coach, as a defensive coordinator and safeties coach, was at North Dakota State. He's unprepared for the task at hand. The roster is barren with Josh Preby, an offensive lineman, being the best, in my opinion, best player on this football team. I have him as a third-team All-Big Ten offensive tackle. That quarterback Northwestern brought in Ben Bryant from Cincinnati. 
They brought in A.J. Henning at wide receiver as well from Michigan, but there have been some players who have transferred out since the hazing scandal occurred and Pat Fitzgerald was fired, but Fitzgerald's staff is still there, led by defensive coordinator and safeties coach David Braun as the interim. Special teams was the single position that I think Pat Fitzgerald left in good shape. However, none of those things are going to save his roster from a pummeling from every Big Ten school they face. Whether that's Rutgers, Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, or in-state rival Illinois, Northwestern is not safe against any of those teams. I think they'll beat UTEP, and I think they'll beat Howard by 2 and 15 points respectively, and that just shows how bad of a program I think they are this season. So the worst team in the Big Ten, we got them out of the way. Hopefully Northwestern, whether it's with or without David Braun as the head coach, hopefully they can be competitive in the future, but that looks very unlikely. But a team that I think in the long run is going to be well off is Purdue. Purdue also has a new head coach, though it is not due to an off-the-field scandal. It is due to the fact that Jeff Brom wanted to go back to his alma mater in Louisville after Scott Satterfield left to take the Cincinnati head coach job. So Jeff Brom, he went to Louisville. Aiden O'Connell left for the NFL. Charlie Jones left for the NFL. Payne Durham, the awesome tight end from last season, he also left for the NFL. And... All in all, this Purdue team is going to have a lot of new faces on it. But there is still some quality depth. Devin Mockaby and Tyrone Tracy, some some running backs for the Purdue Boilermakers, they return. Devin Mockaby isn't just some running back either. I use the term some because there are multiple running backs returning for Purdue, but Devin Mockaby nearly had a 1,000-yard season last year as a walk-on. Pretty incredible. Ryan Walters, one of his first moves on campus with Purdue, is to offer Maccabee a scholarship. Ryan Walters was criticized by many journalists and college football analysts for his appearance and for his answering of questions at Big Ten Media Days, but you don't need to be a silver-tongued man to be a good football coach. You don't. And whether it's Mel Tucker or whether, whether it's Ryan Walters, who aren't amazing, charismatic public speakers, who cares? Ryan Walters can coach. He coached the best defense or one of the best defenses in college football last year at Illinois, helped, helping to develop Sidney Brown, developing Devin Witherspoon into an All-American, All-Big Ten caliber and a first-round pick kind of player. And Illinois' defense last season was first in the nation in points allowed per game. They nearly beat Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, every team they lost to was by single digits. And you can thank that defense for that because even with Chase Brown, a good offensive line, and a solid quarterback in Tommy DeVito, Ryan Walters was a big part of why Illinois for a moment looked like they were locked in to win the Big Ten West. But that's talking a lot about Illinois. About Purdue, I think they're much better than Northwestern is. I have them as the 12th best Big Ten team this season. Offensively and defensively, they're around 12th, 11th, maybe 10th. I think this offense does have some upside, especially with center Gus Hartwig returning. I am I have him as an honorable mention Big Ten center, but he could certainly find his way on the third, second, or even first team just based off of his experience and depending on how Purdue does this season. 
Purdue also returns safety Cam Allen, and I think their defensive back room will be solid. I have the Boilermakers going 5-7, and 2-7 seven, and seven in the Big Ten. I think they're vastly superior to Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Fresno State, Northwestern, and Indiana. Pardon that noise. Anyway, but every other Big Ten team that they face, whether it's Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan, and Minnesota— All of those teams, except for maybe Nebraska and Illinois, I think Purdue is an inferior quality team to those. So Purdue, I could see getting five, six, maybe seven wins, but I'm going to go with five wins as I think their schedule is just brutal with Ohio State and Michigan on there. So five and seven, two and seven in the Big Ten West and sixth in the West for placement. At fifth, we have Nebraska. Nebraska is a team who fell in my standings. They're still 7-5, 4-5 in conference, but Illinois, who was previously in 5th, did jump ahead of them. So that's that. But Nebraska, I think, is the 10th best team in the Big Ten. I have them going 7-6, 4-5 in conference, and I have them playing Baylor in their bowl game. This is the first Big Ten team that will be eligible, in my opinion, to go bowling, and I think Nebraska will match up against Baylor in their postseason matchup. I'm not going to discuss the name of the bowl games unless it's the Citrus Bowl, really a Quest Bowl, which was formerly the Outback Bowl, or especially New Year's Six Bowls like the Orange Bowl, for example, or the Peach Bowl, or Rose Bowl, which this year is a college football playoff semifinal. But we'll also get into those later. Nebraska will match up against Baylor, and if not Baylor, it will be another similar caliber opponent. I think that the Cornhuskers this season will be very good. They'll be excellent at quarterback. Jeff Sims was underutilized and had no supporting cast at Georgia Tech. Meanwhile, coming to Nebraska, he has Anthony Grant, Ramir Johnson, and Gabe Irvin Jr. at running back and at wide receiver, for example. He's Marcus Washington. He's Billy Kemp. Billy Kemp at Virginia in 2021 was nearly a 1,000-yard receiver. That's when Brennan Armstrong was really good, thanks to Robert Anay, who's one of the best offensive coordinators in the nation. And speaking of offensive coordinators, Matt Rule is the head coach, Marcus Satterfield as the offensive coordinator, and Tony White is the defensive coordinator. That's a pretty good trio when it comes to coaching very good head coach, a veteran offensive coordinator, and a proven defensive coordinator who's probably the only reason Syracuse had a winning record last season. He's going to be installing his new 3-3-5 defense at Nebraska, which I think will take time. Nebraska's going to be starting two true freshmen most likely in Tony White's front three. The linebacker core has a great player in MJ Sherman, but I think Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich have already passed their potential to improve. I don't think they're great linebackers. The secondary, they lost Miles Farmer to the transfer portal due to an unspecified incident, but they do have depth there, and they do have playmakers like Malcolm Hartzog, for example. Nebraska is an underrated secondary, underrated linebacker core, but I think in terms of a Big Ten defense, it's well outside the top seven. However, their offense, I think, has the potential to be in the top seven in the top half of the Big Ten. I have their offense being the eighth best in the conference. I think Nebraska is going to be the tenth best team in the conference, as I've already mentioned. Their strengths are going to be 
everything on offense except for the offensive line. Defensively, the trench play once again will be a weakness, but overall defense will be more balanced roster-wise, which really isn't a good thing, and that won't help against Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and even rival Iowa, as those teams especially should have excellent trench play this season. I think that Nebraska will open up with a loss against Minnesota, but they'll beat Colorado, Northern Illinois, and Louisiana Tech as they're vastly superior to those teams. In fact, I think they'll blow them out. They'll lose in a humiliating fashion to Michigan. However, that's just because Michigan has elite trench play on both sides of the football and is better at every position on the field compared to the Cornhuskers. It would be the same thing if Nebraska hosted Ohio State, for example. The the chasm between Michigan, Ohio State, and a team like Nebraska is just too huge for that to be a close game. Nebraska will upset Illinois, beat Northwestern, Purdue, lose to Michigan State, but beat Maryland. Wisconsin and Iowa's back-to-back games will be challenging, and I think Baylor will improve this year under Dave Aranda. But Nebraska will be to its first bowl game. It's first since 2016, and I think that would make the start of the Matt Rule era successful and would give Nebraska a lot of momentum. Now we're on to Illinois, who had their own spout of momentum last season and started out, I think, 7-1, and one, but then finished 1-4. and four. And Brett Bielema talked about that at Big Ten Media Days and accepted responsibility for it and said that his team, they're trying to learn what they can from that experience. Illinois this year, I think, is going to be a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team yet again. Last year, they were. Yes, they played everyone close in their losses, but also several of their wins were by small margins. Illinois was a team that literally described that the game of football is sometimes won by inches. That's the Illinois Fighting Illini. That is Brett Bielema. And I have Brett Bielema in the Illinois Fighting Illini, going 8-5, and 5-4 five, five and four in the Big Ten, and finishing 4th in the Big Ten West, playing Pittsburgh in their bowl game, who I think they will beat. Illinois' schedule, they avoid Michigan and Ohio State, but they have many sneaky non-conference matchups. Toledo is one of the best teams in the MAC. Florida Atlantic is Casey Thompson at quarterback, and Tom Herman as their new head coach. And Kansas is the opposite of Illinois. The exact opposite. Kansas is basketball on grass. Who cares about defense? Burn it all down. Illinois, meanwhile, is scorched earth, control time of possession, all defense. I'm very excited for that game. I think that's going to be one of the better non-conference matchups that the Big Ten will participate in. I think Illinois will start off with a win over Toledo. They have too much talent, especially on the defensive line, to lose to a Mac school. Toledo has a good head coach, and they do have an underrated quarterback, but with Jerzon Newton, Tara Edwards, and Keith Randolph, they're going to feast on almost any offensive line that is not in the top 10 of the country. Illinois themselves has a good offensive line, and I think as a result, whether it's Josh McCray or Reggie Love III, their run game will not fall off too much. But against a team like Kansas and Penn State, Kansas, because their offense is just so explosive that I think only a top 10 defense could slow it down, and Penn State's overall more talented than Illinois, even though Illinois catches Penn State the week before Penn State 
hosts the whiteout, so that could be a trap game for Penn State. But I think Illinois will start out 1-2 in their first three games. They'll bounce back against Florida Atlantic, go on the road to beat Purdue in what should be a nail-biter. They'll be upset at home by Nebraska, go on the road at Maryland. I think a common theme for this Illinois team in the middle of the year will be surviving and advancing, just like last season. They will beat many Big Ten teams on the road and then lose to Nebraska or Wisconsin as well in what should be a trap game for the Badgers at home. They'll upset Minnesota on the road too, shut out rival Northwestern, get revenge against Indiana, and play Iowa on the road in close fashion. At wide receiver, Illinois also returns Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington, and they return Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl, who were great offensive linemen last year for the Big Ten. They return them on the left side this year. The left side of Illinois' offensive line will be very strong. At linebacker and defensive back, they lose tons of players, but they should retool. There are plenty of experienced backups from last season who will start this season. I expect Illinois to have one of the best defenses in the country. They're only seventh in the Big Ten because you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You have so many defenses that will be in the top 15 or top 10, and I think Illinois will have a top 20, top 15 maybe top 10 defense. Their defense will certainly be top 10 in scoring thanks to their style of football and schedule. Up next at third place, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kirk Ferentz is returning for what is seeming like the his 100th year as the Iowa football head coach. I think he will command a program that is in the upper half of the Big Ten's football hierarchy, I think the offense, while still being in the bottom half of the Big Ten, will improve. And I think with Kate McNamara at quarterback, Eric All and Luke Lachey at tight end, guys like Mason Richmond at tackle, Mason Richmond I have as a third-team All-Big Ten tackle. I think that this offense, but don't forget about Caleb Johnson, who I have as a third-team All-Big Ten running back, I think that their offense will score nearly 30 points per game. Of course, that's points per game, and that includes some of the defensive touchdowns that Iowa's defense will inevitably get, but nonetheless, it's impressive, at least by Iowa standards. I'm not a fan of Brian Ferentz. I can only imagine what Iowa would be able to do this year if they had Garrett Riley at offensive coordinator instead of Brian Ferentz, but that's not the reality of the situation. For Iowa, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because Iowa is consistent. There's not a lot of questions surrounding Iowa, in my opinion. They have one of the most stable rosters in the country. At tight end, they have Luke Lachey and Eric All. That's one of the best tight end rooms in America. Defensive line, just get get a load of these names on the defensive line. At the defensive end, Joe Evans and Deontay Craig. Joe Evans and Deontay Craig are phenomenal players. At defensive end, they had over 13 combined sacks just last year. And at defensive tackle, I have Logan Lee and Noah Shannon. That's Iowa's front four right there. And that is one of the best front fours, one of the best defensive lines you will find in America, like Point Blake. So this defensive line and then the defensive back room with Xavier Nwampka, Cooper DeGene, Quinn Schulte, and others will be phenomenal as well. Linebacker Jay Higgins and incoming transfer Nick Jackson from Virginia, they should start there. 
I have Iowa going nine and four, six and three in the Big Ten. They'll be third in the Big Ten West. They'll play a undervalued USC team in the Las Vegas Bowl. And I mentioned that bowl game because I have both Iowa and USC in my top 25. So a top 25 matchup is worth mentioning. I think USC, because of their defense, will struggle in the same way that Iowa, because of their offense, will struggle. Even though both have talented players on those sides of the football, they have incompetent coordinators in Brian Ferentz and Alex Grinch who ruin everything. So maybe in the bowl game, we will see which coordinator, if they're still employed, will try and say, no, hold my beer, I want to lose more than you do, bowl. That could be very entertaining. I think Iowa will only lose to teams who are superior than they are, but they will beat any football team that is objectively worse than them. So Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and USC in the bowl game, I genuinely think that they will be better than Iowa this season. Although my power rankings would disagree with USC. They would pick Iowa over the Trojans as an overall team. But that means Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Northwestern Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska would be wins for the Iowa Hawkeyes, who would go 9-4. and four. I think Cade McNamara is going to have less than five interceptions, and that will be the reason, the primary reason, that Iowa improves off of last season's record. We have P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers up next. Minnesota, this is a team that I think is certainly in the top 20. They're close to a top 15 team this year, and I think they're the fifth best team in the Big Ten. Their offense and defense are going to just fit inside, just fit inside of the top half of the conference. Offensively, I love their supporting cast. I think that their breakout player is going to be their offensive center, Nathan Bowie, who I think will get around 900 snaps this season, be perfectly healthy, and he'll be one of the best centers in college football. I have him as a first-team All-Big Ten center. Minnesota lost John Michael Schmitz, and while Nathan Bowie I don't think will be John Michael Schmitz in year one, he'll be pretty close. And then at guard, we have Tyler Cooper and Quinn Carroll, who I have on my honorable All-Big Ten team and third-team All-Big Ten team, respectively. So the offensive line will reload. They've retooled players, they've moved players around from tackle to guard and center, and they're big. They're so physical on the offensive line, really in the trenches, amen, but on the offensive line especially. At tight end, they're big too. Brevin Spanford and Nick Callerup, I believe, are both 6'7". Spanford's, I think, around 270. Callerup's around 240, 250 and Callerup, the latter being one of the best blocking tight ends in the nation. Their tight end room is up there with Iowa's and up there with Georgia's overall, though Georgia certainly has a much better receiving tight end room than Minnesota does, and I'd say same with Iowa. Minnesota's tight ends are more blocking tight ends, from what I can gather. Wide receiver for Minnesota, I think their wide receiver core will be top four in the Big Ten. Whether it's Corey Crooms, Chris Altman-Bell, or anyone else you want to name. This Lameke Brockington is another name to look out for. This wide receiver room is incredible for Minnesota, and Minnesota could legitimately go five wide. They could go five wide with all wide receivers or four wide receivers and a tight end 
in Brevin Spanford, and they could be successful. I'm not even kidding you. In the receiving game last season, their leader was wide receiver Daniel Jackson, who had over 500 receiving yards and five touchdowns. And he'll be starting alongside of Corey Crooms, who nearly had 1,000 receiving yards at Western Michigan. Linebacker will be a weakness as Mario, Mariano Sori Marin left the program, ran out of eligibility. And Ethan Kaliak Manis, while statistically he will be impressive, similarly to Drew Pine at Notre Dame, who actually had a better passer rating than J.J. McCarthy, it will be because of his system and supporting cast that he does well. He will not be able to carry the team or do many good things, in my opinion, without his elite or near-elite supporting cast on offense. So linebacker and quarterback will hold this team back. Special teams will as well. All in all, though, when you return Tyler Newbin and Justin Wally at secondary and you have a great offensive line, this team's going to be a top 25 team despite losing as much as they do. They'll lose to Michigan, Ohio State, and be upset by Illinois at home, as both Illinois and Iowa have had Minnesota's number ever since P.J. Fleck has came there. Illinois, less so, but with Brett Bielema, they're 2-0 versus the Gophers, and I don't think Minnesota's beating both of them this season, especially since Illinois and Minnesota and Minnesota and Iowa both match up pretty well with each other. I think Minnesota will be angry after a home humiliation by Michigan, and they'll beat Iowa on the road. But after games against Iowa and Michigan State, they're going to be tired, and that's when Illinois will strike. They'll beat Tennessee in their bowl game, and they'll also upset rival Wisconsin, beating them for the third year in a row. So I'm high on Minnesota this season, and I think you should be too. And speaking of the Badgers, we have Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin, despite being first in the West, as one would expect, I think they're going to be the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Obviously, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, I think, are better. But Wisconsin's still pretty good. In fact, I have them inside of my top ten, which my top ten video will be releasing within the next week, whether that's three days, four days, five, six, or seven days, we don't know yet, but it will be releasing in the next week. So if you haven't already, subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when that top 25 video drops. It will be interesting to compare that top 25 to ESPN's FPI, my own power rankings, along with the AP and Coaches Bowl. But to get back on topic, Wisconsin is one of the best staffs in America. Luke Fickle is head coach. Phil Longo is offensive coordinator. He's a top 15, top 10 offensive coordinator. Runs an excellent air raid offense that helped Sam Howell and Drake May survive and thrive in college despite having no defenses and little to no protection on the offensive line. And then the defensive coordinator hire, which I thought was even better than the offensive coordinator hire, was Mike Tressel. I think Mike Tressel will institute his 3-3-5, defense that he's going to run at Wisconsin, and immediately in year one, it's going to be a top 15, top 10 defense. With Maima Njongmeta at linebacker, who should have over 100 tackles this season, since Wisconsin's going to be playing in 14 games, have a handful of sacks, probably a forced fumble, maybe an interception, 
He's a second-team, first-team, all-Big Ten caliber linebacker. I think Ricardo Holman at corner will have a breakout season with a few picks. Kamoy Latu returns at safety. Isaiah Mullins, who wasn't healthy last season, if he's healthy this season, he could have a bounce-back year at defensive end. Wisconsin also brought in Jeff Petrowski from Michigan State, and he was good in 2021 but got injured was going to have to work his way back up the depth chart, and he figured that he would start somewhere new. And I think familiar, as I think Petrowski was recruited potentially by Mike Tressler, at least played under him for a season. But maybe I'm wrong. If I am, please correct me in the comments down below. The offensive line is amazing. There are several great players there. I have Joe Huber and Jack Nelson as one of the best tackle duos in America. I have Huber as a second-team All-Big Ten tackle, Nelson as a third-teamer, Michael Furtney, Tanner Bordellini, and Jake Renfro will be a great interior offensive line presence. Tight end and wide receiver are areas of weakness for this team, but with running backs Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi and a solid quarterback in Tanner Mordecai, this offense will be the third best, I believe, in the Big Ten. Wisconsin will start out hot and furious, smashing Buffalo, Washington State beating down Georgia Southern, destroying Purdue on the road, and beating Rutgers, Iowa, and narrowly escaping Illinois on the road before facing Luke Fickle's alma mater, the Ohio State Buckeyes. They will be too much for Wisconsin this season, even though Wisconsin will play their best. But after that, they'll beat Indiana, Northwestern, and Nebraska, clinching the Big Ten West before losing in an upset to rival Minnesota, losing to Michigan in the conference championship game, but beating Florida State in the Orange Bowl, with Wisconsin winning their second Orange Bowl in a row, as they won the Orange Bowl the last time they participated in it in the 2017 season. That game versus Florida State will be very competitive. It might be one of the best bowl games of the entire college football season. Now we're done with the Big Ten West. Now we will move on to the Big Ten East. And things, of course, inevitably get tougher here. Indiana, much like Northwestern, is at the bottom of the barrel in terms of not just Power 5 teams, but in my opinion, football bowl subdivision teams. Indiana is garbage. They're cannon fodder. They're what you find in the gutters as you're cleaning it out. Like, there's no life there. There's dirt, there's maybe some trees or moss growing in the gutter to their own peril. They're not going to survive there. And it's disgusting. It smells. That's what Indiana football is. They have some nice players. Their defense, I'm not going to lie, is from a player quality standpoint. I wouldn't say coaching standpoint, but from a, a player standpoint and a starting lineup standpoint is probably better than Maryland's. Nebraska's, Northwestern's, dare I say it, even Purdue. But because of their staff and because Indiana does not have a lot of depth and I don't think they have a great strength and conditioning unit, their defense is ranked a lot lower than it could be because of those things. Their offense will be by far the worst in the Big Ten. I think possibly the worst in America. I don't think Taven Jackson's going to be developed well by this staff. And even if he is, he will be broken because there's no offensive line at Indiana. Indiana, they may have a, a few good wide receivers sometimes, though they don't this year. 
They have good running backs, Jalen Lucas especially, who I think will have a lot bigger presence at running back this season than he did last year. Last year, he was a first-team All-Big Ten kick returner, but Indiana is lifeless on offense. On the defensive line, they have Andre Carter, who they brought in from Western Michigan, who I have as an honorable mention, All-Big Ten defensive end. They have Aaron Casey at linebacker, who I have all the way up on my second team, and they have Noah Pierre, a great noseback and leader of this defense, who I have on my third team. So they have some players, but that will not save them from their horrible offense and their horrendous schedule. They open up hosting Ohio State, who I think will blow them out. They'll beat Indiana State in a very close game. They'll lose mightily to Louisville, and they will narrowly beat Akron at home. After that, road games at Maryland, at Michigan, hosting Rutgers, playing at Penn State, hosting Wisconsin, playing at Illinois, hosting Michigan State, who will be out for revenge, and playing at Purdue is going to be too much for Tom Allen and Indiana to handle. And as a result, in my opinion, I think that Tom Allen will be fired after the 2023 college football season. Who will replace him? Who knows? But we'll get to that when Tom Allen is inevitably axed after this 2023 season. Up next, we have Rutgers at 6th. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights, I think, are finally building some depth. I think that they will score more points than they allow, which means they will have a positive point margin per game for the first time in easily a decade, I would say. They'll be the 11th best team in the Big Ten. They will go 5-7, and 2-7, and seven, yet again missing out on a bowl game. And this year especially, it will be painful because I think this team is going to be so much better with Kirk Shiraka as the offensive coordinator, Sammy Brown and Kyle Monahai at running back, especially the former. Those are going to be good running backs. Sammy Brown has the potential to be an honorable mention, third-team caliber All-Big Ten running back. He's very underrated. He was the starting running back in the middle of last season before suffering from an injury, which is very unfortunate. And this defense, too, Rutgers' defense— I think is middle-of-the-road Big Ten, which means a top 25 or close to top 25 defense nationally. Their linebacker core and their defensive back unit is the stuff of legends, in my opinion, at least for the standard of what Rutgers football is. When Greg Schiano took over, it was destroyed over the period of a decade. So he was never going to rebuild it even with the transfer portal and even with NIL, it was going to take time. And while I don't think this year is the year, I am seeing things that I like from Rutgers moving forward. And I think they are going to be competitive in most games that they play in. As you can see on my 2023 schedule, they're competitive in a lot of games. And I think even the games like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, where they lose by multiple touchdowns, Rutgers will probably be competitive for a quarter, maybe a half. Against Michigan last season, they led Michigan at some point before Michigan scored 30 or 40 points in the second quarter, and it looked very lopsided, but if you watched the game, and indeed I did, Rutgers was competing and leading at one point, and they were inspired. Gavin Wimsat at quarterback will improve. I think he's going to be the breakout player this season, but... 
he last season was not he wasn't great to be frank and this season I don't think he'll be either but he'll be much improved with a good running back room and Johnny Lang and a tight end this offense will finally have some heft to it they won't be good they won't be great but they didn't even score 18 points per game last season they'll score 25 points per game this season which will be a massive improvement the offensive line outside of tackle is pretty horrible but defensively they have Deion Jennings at linebacker and I think they'll be set as well at corner with Robert Longerbeam and on the other side with Max Melton. Both of those guys are juniors. Also, don't forget about Tyreem Powell, who I think led the linebacker core in sacks last season. And special teams, as always, will be an A+. Rutgers will start out with wins over Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech. They will play on the road at Michigan. I'm sorry for that mess up there but that's meant to be a road game. They'll get humiliated. They'll beat Wagner at home. Then they'll travel on the road at Wisconsin, host Michigan State. Both of those will be losses. Their final win of the year will be against Indiana, but Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, and Maryland, that November stretch is going to be too much for Greg Schiano to handle. I could see this team getting six or seven wins, though. If they would, it would be against Iowa, Maryland, Michigan State, maybe on the road at Wisconsin as well, against programs who aren't as secure as the big three in the Big Ten. At fifth, we have the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland at 7-6, and 3-6 six, and six in the Big Ten. I think they're going to play against Central Michigan in their bowl game, in the Quick Lane Bowl, which will be in the same stadium that Penn State and Michigan State face off in on, I think it's November 24th, the Friday, it's Black Friday, is when Penn State and Michigan State will be playing. That will be a good game, and I might be going there, but I don't think I will. But to get back to the Maryland Terrapins, I think they'll be ninth in the Big Ten. Mike Loxley said this team is ready to compete for championships, and if he had a better defensive line, if he had a better reputation as a coach, which he's building that reputation, by the way, and if they had better special teams, I would believe him. But Talia Tagovailoa, even though I think he's going to be a top-four quarterback in the Big Ten, along with Jeff Sims, Kyle McCord, and J.J. McCarthy, he himself has questions. The offensive line also has questions. They lost a plethora of players there. I happen to think that with Eric Harris, Delmar Glaze, and players like those, they'll be just fine. But just fine isn't good enough in the Big Ten when opposing defensive lines that are from Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State are amongst the best of the best, you have to have the best of the best in the trenches. And I don't think Maryland has that this season. At tight end, though, with Corey Deitches, who had nearly 500 receiving yards, wide receiver, they lost Dante Demas and Rakeem Jarrett, but returned Jay Sean Jones, brought in Caden Prather from West Virginia, and another transfer incoming from FIU, who had a 1,000-yard season in, I believe, 2021. And with Roman Hemby coming back as well, this offense and the skill positions will be loaded. Maryland reminds me a lot of Nebraska, where they're great at skill positions, they're great at, they're you know better at linebacker and secondary than they are on the defensive line. They're a great team in everywhere but the trenches. And that's going to kill them. Like, honestly, that's going to kill them. 
I think against a team like Towson, Charlotte, and Virginia, they'll dominate. But Michigan State this year is improved on the offensive line, and they'll have a great defensive line. Ohio State, Illinois, Penn State, and Michigan all have great trench play. Nebraska has the better coaching staff. I don't know if they'll have the better quarterback per se, but Lincoln and Memorial Stadium, that's an intimidating place to play. So I have the Huskers winning since it is on the road. But Maryland will finish 6-6, six and 3-6 six, and six in Big Ten play. As the ninth best team in the Big Ten, they'll play Central Michigan in the Quick Lane Bowl. I liked the additions of Kevin Sumlin and Josh Gaddis on the offensive staff. In fact, I had Maryland ranked worse than this before those additions, especially the addition of Kevin Sumlin, who has proven to be an offensive genius. So this offense, nationally, I think will be top 25. In the Big Ten, they'll have the sixth best offense, but their defense, more so because of coaching, but also because they lost guys, especially in the trenches, their defense will suffer. So that's the Maryland Terrapins. Up next, we have the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State, I have going 8-5, and 5-4 five, five and in the Big Ten. They will be the definition of a 50-50 team. And I say that because they have a tough schedule, which makes it likely that they'll go 6-6 six and six or 7-5. and five. I have them going the latter, and also they're dead center, in my opinion, in the Big Ten. Much better than Northwestern and Indiana. They're close to a team like Maryland, Nebraska, but also close to a team like Minnesota and Iowa, where they can fall in that fringe top 25 to top 20, maybe at ceiling top 15 range, but they could also be in the bottom half of all Power 5 programs. Michigan State has a lot of upside, in my opinion, but because they don't quite have the depth yet that Mel Tucker wants, there is also a low floor, and the tough schedule doesn't help. Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Those are top 10 teams in my book. Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, and yes, I know this gives away some of the rest of my predictions in the East, but who cares? Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, everyone wants to talk about. So we'll talk about them, and rightfully so. Those three teams I have in my top four. I have those three teams making the college football playoff, and Michigan State plays three of them. And Penn State very easily could supplement either Michigan or Ohio State as a college football playoff participant, depending on how things play out. So Michigan State has a tough schedule, and to add on top of that, Nebraska, Maryland, are they could be top 25 teams, but more importantly, Iowa and Minnesota, teams that are on the road, I think are going to be top 20, if not top 15. And those teams will have better defenses than Michigan State, they'll have better trench play, they're going to be very hard to stop. And... I have Michigan State beating Penn State. It was a choice between Penn State and Minnesota. Minnesota, it's a spot for revenge. It's going to be after the Michigan game. Michigan State's going to be angry by losing to Michigan and also remembering what Minnesota did to them last season. And Michigan State also has a good enough wide receiver room with Monterey Foster Jr. and Trey Mosley and a great enough tight end room to expose Minnesota's weaknesses at linebacker, and potentially even at defensive back since they lost Jordan Howden. Penn State, they have a weak interior offensive line, in my opinion, at least by the standard of the Big Ten, 
And by simply a power five standard, I think they have a weak defensive tackle room. And Michigan State this year has a strong presence on the interior of their offensive line, but especially with Simeon Barrow Jr., Jalen Sami, who came in from Colorado as a transfer, and Derek Harmon, their defensive tackle room will be one of the best in the nation as well. Don't forget the Spartans return Jacoby Windman. And I think the Spartans will play Arkansas in their bowl game, and they will beat the Hogs and the Razorbacks by a narrow margin of seven in what should be an entertaining game and a game that any team can win. The Spartans will beat Central Michigan, Richmond, Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana, and they will upset Penn State despite Penn State obviously being the better team. But Washington, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, that's a very tough stretch. Michigan State has six teams on their schedule that I think are better than them, but I think they're bound to upset one of those teams with a great tight end room that features Malik Carr, a running back room that with Nathan Carter is going to be very explosive. They finally have a good offensive line, and their front seven will compensate for a secondary that once again I think will be weak. Some questions for Michigan State are how are the coordinators going to perform? Because even with this result, I'm more inclined to think that one of Jay Johnson or Scotty Hazleton will not be employed at the end of the season, even with a bounce-back year like this one. But again, like any coaching change, we'll have to see how it plays out at year's end. We have the Penn State Nittany Lions at third place. I think Penn State will go 10-3, 6-3 in the Big Ten. They'll beat Ole Miss in the Citrus Bowl. In fact, they'll crush them. They'll be an undervalued team. Penn State, I have them going 9-3 and three because of their wide receiver room, their offensive line, and their defensive line, not including the defensive ends, because their defensive ends are phenomenal. But their weaker defensive tackle room, in my opinion, unfortunately cancels out some of the elite talent at defensive end. When you have Dante Cephas at wide receiver, and I know there's Harrison Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith as well, but I think it is a wide receiver room that is middle of the road at Big Ten. It could potentially be even lower than that. But I think Penn State will have the conference's fourth best defense, which will be a top 10 defense, and the fourth best offense, which will be a top 20, top 15 offense. They will be the third best team in the Big Ten, scoring nearly 40 points per game and allowing less than 20 points per game. As much as I sometimes knock on James Franklin or Manny Diaz, and rightfully so, as the former only has, I think, two or three top ten wins in the Big Ten, and the latter, I think, is a younger version of Don Brown, I like Mike Yersich. I love Terry Smith as the defensive backs coach. He's done a phenomenal job developing guys like Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown, who just got drafted in the 2023 draft, and Kalen King in my opinion, an All-American and definitely first-team All-Big Ten corner. He comes back. He'll be a first-round pick. And also Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis. Those are going to be players who will be drafted. And in my opinion, they could have themselves All-American potential. So defensive back, linebacker with Abdul Carter, former five-star, four-star Curtis Jacobs, Tyler Elston, and Kobe King. That's one of the best linebacker rooms in the country. This team can go 10-2, 11-1 in the regular season. I can't see them going 12-0, though, 
as I think Ohio State and Michigan are going to be too good. They're too tough. And Ohio State, they have weaknesses at tackle. Their offensive line depth is questionable, but they have the skill position room to match up well regardless with Penn State's defense, and their run game's going to get better, and they have home field advantage. And for Michigan, they have no depth concerns in the trenches. Their defensive line and offensive line might both be the best in their respective categories nationally. And with the number one running back room, and with Penn State's defense, just from a roster standpoint, they're going to struggle more against the run than against the past. The pass. Penn State, in my opinion, is built more like an ACC team. They're built like a Clemson in the middle to late 2010s, where they have a highly talented quarterback, a good run game, but their offensive line is questionable, but then they also have that high upside NFL talent on defense and an aggressive defensive coordinator and a great defensive staff all around. I think the Nittany Lions will once again go 10-3, and 6-3 and in conference. This team can definitely go higher than 9-3 and in the regular season, though. I think 9-3 and in the regular season, maybe 8-4 and would be their absolute floor. In fact, it's probably more likely the Nittany Lions go 10-2, and but I think Michigan State is going to upset someone, and I think Penn State is going to be upset by either Illinois, Iowa, or Michigan State. Potentially, dare I say it, even Maryland before a huge matchup against Michigan, which will likely seal the deal for Penn State to either go 11-1 or for them to go 10-2, and miss out on a chance to win the Big Ten yet again, and potentially from there fall to 9-3. and Penn State will finish third in the East behind Ohio State and Michigan. And I have Ohio State as my second best Big Ten team in the country. I have them ranked number two nationally, scoring nearly 50 points per game, and their offense will be first in the nation, best in the Big Ten. Their defense will hold teams to under 20 points per game. Offensive line has several weaknesses at tackle, but almost none, in my opinion, on the interior. With Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones being on my first and second All-Big Ten team, respectively. Tight end Kate Stover's a third-teamer. Their special teams, I think Parker Fleming will have one of his better special teams units this year. Thanks to a kicking game that has several kickers with big legs, powerful legs. Their staff, Ohio State with Brian Hartline, Jim Knowles, Perry Alano, Tim Walton, Larry Johnson, cannot forget about him, Justin Fry, Tony Alford. It's one of the best staffs in the country. Ryan Day has built this program better than what Urban Meyer built it into in his later tenure. It's much better. No losses to Purdue or Iowa by 20. None of that. And even though Ryan Day has a problem with Michigan, which I think is more so a credit to what Jim Harbaugh has done rather than to what Ryan Day hasn't done, he doesn't struggle against anyone else. This wide receiver core will be the best in the nation with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka. Running back, if healthy, could contend for that as well with Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, and Dallin Hayden. I think quarterback will be set with Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever starts. Defensive back, I think they'll improve with Denzel Burke. Um, Tanner McAllister is gone, but Davison Igbenosin comes in. Cameron Martinez, Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom. These are going to be some players who will start at secondary. 
which should be deeper and much improved this year. Linebacker has the nation's best linebacker in Tommy Eichenberg, and the defensive line has high-ceiling players like JT Tuimolau and Michael Hall, and also Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton, with the Buckeyes' defensive tackle room, I think, being the best in the Big Ten. Their schedule, while challenging, will look like a cakewalk for how good this team is going to be. They'll blow out Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and Notre Dame. They'll also blow out Maryland, Purdue, beat Penn State after the Nittany Lions compete for a half to three quarters. They'll have some struggles against Wisconsin on the road and also against Rutgers on the road, in my opinion, but they'll smash Michigan State, they'll beat Minnesota relatively handily, and they, will beat the, they won't beat the Michigan Wolverines, but they could certainly contend to beat Michigan in Ann Arbor. They'll lose by a score of 31-41. to 41. It will be a much closer game than last season. And with an 11-1 record, I think the Buckeyes will make the college football playoffs. Playing against Georgia and beating them in a similar way they beat Clemson when they rematched with the Tigers in 2020. But they will fall to Michigan again in the national title. Why is this? I think Michigan is more experienced. I think they're deeper. I still think Michigan, regardless of Jim Knowles' defense being in year two, still matches up better with the Buckeyes from a scheme standpoint and a roster standpoint. And at the end of the day, starting quarterback experience and being clutch at that position and having mobility matters. And J.J. McCarthy, in my opinion, is a better quarterback, and he's more clutch, more proven than Kyle McCord, and he also has mobility. And that with a better offensive line, a better run game, a better ability to control games is going to result in Michigan winning the game twice this season, which is a bold prediction of mine. So 12-2 and with a playoff win, but an 8-1 and finish in the Big Ten, and once again, a second-place finish for Ryan Day. And finally, we have the Michigan Wolverines, who I have as the best team in the country, Ohio State being in that second place, the number two team in the country. However, I do want to mention the game, whoever wins in Ann Arbor will win the national title. So if Michigan loses in Ann Arbor, I think they go 12-2, and most likely losing to Ohio State yet again. Because if Ohio State can win in Ann Arbor, Ohio State will have a better advantage and a better chance to win at a neutral site, indoors, without any weather concerns, as opposed to a road game in which there will likely be snow. So, I just want to shoot that out there. I think the game is going to be super competitive. The bold prediction of Michigan going 2-0 in the game is not to be disrespectful to Ohio State. It's just a prediction. It's very unlikely, but a bold prediction is unlikely, and I do believe in that. I think these are the two best teams in the country, and if both make the college football playoff and they don't face off against each other in the semifinals, they will reach the national championship together and face off. Michigan's biggest weakness, I think, is its wide receiver core. Maybe cornerback when Will Johnson isn't on the field, and he likely won't be in the first few games due to health issues, but the Michigan Wolverines, they start out basically, in my opinion, with four easy home games against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers, and they will make all of those games look like a cakewalk. Michigan will be the best team in the Big Ten, the best team in the nation. They'll have one of the best offenses in the country as well, but more importantly, they will have one of the best defenses nationally. 
and in my opinion, overall the best defense in the Big Ten. Their O-line and their defensive back room will be number one nationally. Linebacker I have some questions about. Same with tight end, admittedly, even with Colston Loveland and quarterback. I don't think J.J. McCarthy is the top draft prospect for quarterbacks in 2024. There was a report on that, and I have to see it in order to believe it. But this Michigan team, they have so much experience, they could easily get more than 15 players drafted. And I think Michigan is going to yet again win the Big Ten. They're going to reach their conference championship game and win it for the third year in a row. And they're going to beat Washington in the playoffs in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State is going to beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Michigan will play in the Rose Bowl for the first time since the early 2000s. If I'm being honest, I think 2003 was the last time Michigan played in the Rose Bowl. And then they will play Ohio State rematching against the Buckeyes in the national championship game. They will also play Wisconsin in Indianapolis. Michigan ultimately will finish with a 15-0 record and a 9-0 record in conference. I think this is the best team in the land, and if not them, it will be Ohio State, and if not Ohio State, it will be the Georgia Bulldogs, who have a decent chance at three-peating. That is my final edition of my 2023 preseason Big Ten record predictions. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please hit that subscribe button, like this video, and comment your thoughts down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.